I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Guitar Nerds are teaming up with Music Nomad. Since 2010, Music Nomad Equipment Care has been making premium and innovative guitar care products used and trusted every day by top guitar repair shops, guitar makers, and touring techs in over 40 countries. Pro quality but affordable, Music Nomad is also the go-to for countless guitar players around the globe to help their guitars look, sound, and play their best. Whether changing strings, setting up your guitar, or detailing every inch of your gear, Music Nomad products are designed and engineered to be best in class. From top to bottom, each product is so well thought out and it's clear their passion for guitar care is unmatched. With over 75 industry-leading products, it's hard to talk about them all, but some of the favourites have 100% natural fretboard oil that cleans and conditions your fingerboard like no other. The Guitar Tech tool sets can adjust just about everything on a guitar, string-changing tools that make changing strings a breeze and actually fun. And last but not least, they demystified the guitar setup process by developing their new innovative Keep It Simple Setup, aka KISS for guitar setups. Make sure you check out what all the buzz is around Music Nomad as they are truly redefining and raising the bar in equipment care. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com or follow them on social media at Music Nomad Care. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Naomi McLeod. Hello. Matt Knight. Hello. And Jake Ross. Oi, oi. Oi, oi, indeed. Oi, oi, indeed. Welcome, welcome. The first first podcast we've done in a while that's had uh, four, a whole four hosts. Um, so that's very lovely. Thanks very much all for, for joining me today. Um, Jay, it's the first time we've had you back in a, in a, in a little while, I guess, actually Jay and Naomi, you, you would have done the sort of week before last, but of course we had that slight delay where I was on tour and we were, uh, um, we were recording ahead of schedule, but, uh, but yes, welcome back. Welcome thanks. Back, Jay thanks Joe. Great to be here. Yeah. Delighted. Yes. Gang, gang. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How was your well, tour, Joe? Oh, it was good. Because, you know, I don't listen to the podcast. No, and I no. no me neither. No, all yeah. the text messages that you ever sent me. <laughs> so I don't know how it was. No, of course. Well, well, yes, we did, uh, we, we did, in fact, do a little bit of a tour special, me and Matt Knight, last week. Yeah. So I won't bore the dear listeners with, uh, with recanting the entire story yet again. But it was okay. very good. Nine dates is too long, but I had a yeah. fantastic time. The shows were packed. Two cabinets blew up on me and I did on, see about that. that on the annoying. first show um we got to Nottingham and realized we'd left an entire one of the three of our keyboards players keyboards in Brighton I mean um, you so know what was, I'm gonna say to that uh, no well, I mean, you don't need three keyboards. <laughs> well, the problem was... I mean, you barely the, need one, let's yeah, be honest. Yes, sure. Well, I don't know about that. But, you know, the, the problem was, uh, uh, was, was exacerbated by the fact that um, the keyboard we forgot was also the, the hard case where our keyboard player keeps his power supplies for the other two. <sighs> oh, so of it course. Was, uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but, you know... It, absolute testament to to Josh. He rewrote the entire set on the fly 
to uh, uh sounds to like a normal polymath show isn't it? on uh, on, yeah. One, yeah, on one keyboard so it was it was very good it was very good but you know more more exciting things have happened you know more exciting things have happened since then this uh this this week or last week a couple of days ago a few days ago i don't know why that matters a few days ago i went uh, went over to ashdown to interview pink floyd bass player guy pratt cuz uh, we've it was good we, we we've just released um uh, the guy pratt interstellar 600 which is guy pratt's signature amp head it's uh, it's a lovely sort of big Big box retro head designed to look a bit uh, a bit like a Wem, a bit like those old sort of sixties PA systems, because it goes with his vertical uh, three ten cabs that look like the old Wem PA speakers. So it's essentially it's it's an ABM six hundred with a couple of tweaks, a little bit more drive, but it's a, it's a lovely looking thing. So we had him him over at Ashdown to do an interview. Or to, to chat about his new head, so I got to go up and go over and ask him a few questions. I'm probably going to put it out as an audio podcast as well for Guitar Nerds listeners, should they want to. I was just editing the the video today, but that was that was a lot of fun. I was given about a day's notice that Guy Pratt was going to be there in Essex, and I, you know, I'd been really poorly since getting back from tour, and it's uh, it's like a four hour train journey to get there. I was really, really, is it that far? Yeah, well, it's about three. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's like three hours twenty, but then, but then it's also in the middle of nowhere. So it's three hours twenty plus a half hour cab ride. Um, you know, so and then I'm twenty minutes away from the train station here. So you know, like there's a, it's it's because I live in the middle of nowhere in West Sussex and Ashdown are in the middle of nowhere in Essex. You know, those uh, it's just not two places not necessarily connected to each other very well. You want to learn to drive, mate. I, I really do. I really do. Um, yeah, it's really girl... boring. Just as a heads up, learn and to scary. drive. Yeah, yes. scary, yes. boring, rubbish. Once you can do it, it's wicked. But like, mm. oh, man, r- learning is really, really bad. It's I just really don't trust rubbish. myself. You know, I just uh, you've you've all met me. Imagine me behind a wheel. Imagine how dangerous <laughs> that would be. <laughs> That's it's... scary, but not boring whatsoever. Mm. Exactly. I, yeah. and, the, the reason that Joe is, has never learned to drive, the reason that he's scared to learn to drive is that he knows that if he learns to drive, he will start having to do his fair share of the polymath tour driving. Well, that is a very good point. Yes. I also I also feel, Joe, like you're the exact sort of person who would learn to drive at this at this stage in life and just immediately begin collecting cars as you do yeah. here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I am worried. I mean, my dad does. My dad, you know, yes. has, has, hires a whole field for his, you know, for, for his car oh collection my. outside of his classic car business. So <laughs> I'm worried that that's just part of our personality. You know, oh, definitely. And, uh, definitely. Like this the, will happen to me. Yeah, the, the gear collecting apple doesn't far, fall far from the gear collecting <laughs> tree, I don't think. Exactly. But, you know, I failed my cycling proficiency because i couldn't turn right excuse me (laughs) well i couldn't take my hand off that my right hand off the handlebars to indicate right without falling off the bike but but hang on hang on hang on sorry foreigner here there's a cycling test oh yes well yeah at school you have cycling proficiency you know you've got to pass the cycling proficiency i mean yeah i mean you know it's not it's not like a you need to carry you need to carry around the document for the rest of your life (laughs) saying that i passed my cycling proficiency test that was what i was getting from it was (laughs) are you you worried that like this wasn't on the uh this wasn't on your immigration papers and uh (laughs) yeah exactly you've been illegally cycling around leeds yeah and that i'll be asked to produce my card (laughs) at some point photographic id yes. yeah well exactly. no you know you, you you take cycling proficiency when i don't know you're you're 12 i don't know something like that maybe younger wow 10, okay I don't know, 11 something like that but anyway yeah i failed because i couldn't turn right so for that reason uh, you know i was always worried i wouldn't be able to turn right in a car you know but, you don't um need don't need to, to turn right you, <laughs> you don't need to turn right no. Three lefts, three lefts make a right. <laughs> um, that's fine. No you, no, you can just you don't have to take your hands off the handlebar, off the, the handlebars, the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. You just flick right. it up. You just go. Right. I see. Well, boop, you know. Boop. Nonetheless, it was always uh, it always worried me. But but yes, I will yeah. definitely, I will certainly learn to drive. But anyway, you know, I went to see Guy Guy Pratt up in Ashdown. He turned up in his Tesla. Oh, very sophisticated man is Guy Pratt. Of course, you know. 
dear listener, if you don't know, you know Guy Pratt's the bass player on Like a Prayer, Earth Song uh, by Michael Jackson. Um, most songs that happened in the 80s. He was the bass mm-hmm. player for the Smiths for a short while, like, you know, as, as well as Pink Floyd, Roxy Music. They're, they're, they're countless, countless, countless. Iggy Pop, you know. There are just so many things that he's done. And, you know, let's not forget he also... He writes music for film. He wrote the theme tune to Spaced. The I know, that, show. Is, that is the, one of the best <laughs> credits. Um, <laughs> he also, you know, let's talk about the fact that he also contributed to the soundtrack of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Last, Last Action, Action Hero. <laughs> Last Action <Yeah>. Hero. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, exactly. It's um, true. It's true. You know, it is true. It features is true. Sylvester Stallone as the... Um, that's the Terminator at one point. I think it's that oh, one. Oh, yes. yes. There's a bit uh, yes, where they go into right. a, a film, a like a yeah. blockbuster, and yeah. it's like an alternative universe, and Sylvester Sloan is the Terminator, which I always thought was it quite good. It does have that, yes. It is very good. It's but, terrible But yes, music. you know, Guy, Guy Pratt has done so much, so you know, so much music. So it's, it was wonderful to get to go and chat with him. And of course, because... Because he's been a prolific, successful bass player with some massive artists for so long, he's got so much signature gear as well. So it was really nice to get to talk to him about that. I mean, you know, he he's actually also a podcaster now. He has his Rock on Tours um, podcast, which is very very successful. You know, he's now playing in Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets, so he's getting to play the the early. Um, seventies sort of Pink Floyd style stuff with them. Um, you know, he has he has his book that was really a, a a big thing for him that came out in the early 2000s which is my base and other animals um and he does his own stand-up show which sort of runs runs in parallel to the to the book which is all this sort of comic stories about the the ridiculous things that he's experienced being a a, a side man as it were in a very uh celebrity driven uh, world you know but um but yeah really interesting man to speak to but i find well you know i was doing a little bit of research before and i found that most most people when they interview guy pratt they ask him a lot about you know those things about the stories and he ends up just recanting passages from his from his book and of course i don't care about any of that stuff i care about Yes, you gear. do. Well, I do, but I care more about gear. So, yeah. and he has so much signature stuff that he just never gets asked about. Obviously, we were Ash Delmer were releasing this Interstellar six hundred head. He has a compressor with us, the uh, um, the Macchiato compressor. Um, but you know, he's got that Fox Gear knee trembler tremolo. Um, but more importantly, I, w- I wanted to ask him about some of his bases because he's had some really interesting signature bases throughout the years. The most recent one is Bass Collection, London Bass Collection, have released uh, Betsy, which is his. He has a jazz bass, which he calls Betsy, which is a Burgundy Mist 1964 jazz bass with a matching head cap, active EMGs that he's had. Oh, it's it, so beautiful. It's very good. It's a very a lovely, piece. lovely guitar. And, and you know, it's 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 always been his most his favorite the most important guitar in, in bass guitar in his arsenal um but he's had it recreated by bass collection so the the neck profile is the same emg's burgundy mist but of course made by bass collection and very reasonable uh sort of 600 ish pounds I, th- I think it costs now you get a copy of the book with it as well um he brought one along i thought it was absolutely lovely played really nice um, so he's got that, which is really cool. But he's had a bunch of other signature stuff. He had uh, um, the status uh, GP artist. I wanted to ask him about, which is a oh, it's the GP artist is is wonderful. I mean, it's you know, it's the status Guy Pratt artist. And when I asked him about it, the first thing he said was, "I don't really have much to do with that one." It's it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, called, it's called the Guy Pratt, but. Um, but yeah, that's like a, a graphite, a hollow graphite. It's a precision body with an F-hole um, with a PJ, an active PJ pickup configuration, about a billion rotary controls on it and a, a graphite bolt-on neck. It's very, you can tell this is what he started playing in the early 80s. You know, it's, very the, <laughs> it's very status. It's very status. It's very status. And I, I got him to sort of recount the story of how they were doing a Pink Floyd show where it was on the wall tour and they had to smash their guitars up at the end of it and he timed it badly so that the last song meant he was playing a graphite next status and actually trying to smash a graphite guitar on stage put his back out so, and for the rest of the tour which, 
which is brilliant. But I, I thought it was a, a really cool, lovely, interesting, incredibly 80s guitar. It's that point in time when people are just trying to put everything on a guitar, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll have an F-hole. It will be precision-based shaped. It will have a graphite neck, active PJs, eight rotary controls on it. It's very much that sort of thing. But, the, you know, the, the most interesting bass that I spoke to him about was one of his Warwicks. He had a couple of signature Warwicks, but one that only, surprisingly, only ever got made as a proto- one prototype and one production model. <laughs> Goodness knows if anyone's ever ordered one from Warwick. But he had it made, uh, so a solid Les Paul-shaped Warwick bass, four-string Warwick bass. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. With and and you know, tr- try and look this up, guys, uh, so you can see it as as I explained to it, and dear listeners as well. This is it, it has two two single coil pickups on a a cavity, so they are the two pickups are completely movable the whole way up and down the body, so you can. You can move those two oversized single coils anywhere in the body. So you could put them both close together right up at the bridge, sound like a music man. You could spread them out to either end, get that Hofner uh, violin bass sound. Oh, my God. You know, Sorry, you're hearing our reactions in real time <laughs> as we find it. seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. Even he was like, yeah, I don't know if it really worked. <laughs> he, he said one of the biggest problems with it was that the the cavity uh, essentially so that allowed the pickups to move around was so deep and so big that it actually just made the whole thing sound like a hollow body which mm-hmm. isn't really the tone he wanted or needed at all um it's a sort of necessary evil for the function he needed of yeah. of having that much range for the pickups but yeah, exactly. Can, exactly. Uh, a design quandary, you might yes, say. Yes. I mean, I think I think he wanted something because he used to play the first basses that Guy Pratt played were the Dan Armstrong basses that had that single oh, sure. movable pickup. But mm. he's a big fan of a bridge pickup, so I think he was mm-hmm. just trying mm-hmm. to do the same thing, but with you know with two pickups. It just uh, <laughs> I'm not sure the execution was exactly as he imagined it. Um, but you know, it was uh, it was very cool, it was very cool and interesting. Uh, base but yeah you know that, so that, and those are just some of them he's had you know he's had a bunch of signature stuff I, he feels like one of those guys that just has ideas and rolls with them and is quite happy to change his mind a, a little bit down the line um i love hearing that i think it speaks to such a colorful life and a and an actual to sound cliche but an actual journey as a musician yeah you know particularly with like the wide wide um CV that he has, like he's played with so many, mm. not only really celebrated, but so many different styles of artists. Um, and as you said, kind of come of age in in a decade where uh, more, not less is more, the opposite, more is less. Yes. <laughs> more, more, more is more. <laughs> he was he was born into a great decade for spec and for uh, features yeah. in gear. But yeah, yes. I, I, yeah. Um, I, I'm uh, healthily envious of you getting to interview him because. He, 
I'd, I'd say he's a man with so many stories. Yes, yeah, well, it's really, really interesting. It's surprising how little he knew about, like, pedals and things like really? that, I thought. Okay. But I think it's, it's a different thing. He's, he comes from that, that time period where, like, multi-FX and all that modern stuff, it's just, it's happened after he switched off mm, from gear, mm-hmm. after he finished getting all the things that he wanted. Yeah. So, like, it's the same, I guess, you know, he's in a band with David Gilmore. It's, it's his whole thing is his boards, his pedal boards are massive because he's like, well, if I want three different phaser sounds in a set, I need to buy that phaser three times and mm-hmm. you know i didn't want to be like well you could just no no don't worry no that's, that's I mean, fine I, that's exactly how i feel you know i <laughs> yeah. i feel like i got to a point where i understood everything and i was like yeah that's fine i've completed it that's cool i know i know how a uh our dd3 works that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. To, i know how to make a carb i know how to take the back off a carbon copy bloody lovely <laughs> what else do you need to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, and it, you know, things like his his compressor, we, we make this he's he has four compressors on his pedal board, which he said he sometimes has all on. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> just can't, well, which, can't just, hear anything. Yeah, I know, that's that seems ridiculous. But his compressor that we make is eighteen an eighteen volt. And he was like, the problem with that is you need uh you need two you need two pa- power supply outs on a on a pedal board. Yes, and I was like, no, no, you don't. You just need one that's. But I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to correct it's, you um, know, Mr. Guy Pratt. I was like, you haven't needed to do. Most modern power supplies can do eighteen volt. You haven't needed mm-hmm. to do that since the late nineties. Well, that, that's what we were talking about last week, Joe, on the Patreon, wasn't it? Looking at one or. Walder and uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez pedal boards, and just realising yeah. that all of them have got like eight-way power, su- like strips taped to the back, where everything has its own power supply plugged in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were Dark so days. DIY, so DIY. I loved that one of one of uh, Juan Alderete's boards were he had just three or four Boss LS2s at the front, so it essentially made his own switching system by. By just having LS2s bringing things in and out at the front. So but, good. Um, yeah, so good. He actually, uh, Guy Pratt actually name-dropped you, Matt. Um, oh, well, you know, I've, I've, you I can truly say that I will never have a career like him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes. It's an honour. But he was uh, very very grateful for all the, all, the, all the help that you give him with it and, and advice with the effects pedals and, and things like that, especially especially when it comes to shaping his drive tone, because I think he uses the OD200 now, is that he right? He does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, he... Yeah, he didn't just... know what it was. He was trying to describe it to me. He said it's yellow <laughs> and it's got a couple of buttons on it and it does like a lot of digital things. And I was like, the OD200, I think. But yeah. Yeah, no, because um, when we originally started speaking, he obviously he's a massive fan of the OC2, which I think was the ultimate pedal for all bass players yeah. in the 80s. Um, yeah. And he used a SDD320 rack unit you know uh dimension rack unit that was his rig um he said for basically the entire of the 80s uh wow. and that's what you hear on like a prayer and moving into the early 90s that's also what you hear on uh, earth song by michael jackson yeah. and i'm pretty sure there's a video on youtube which is worth looking up of him telling the story of actually recording that session um yeah. and the whole time michael jackson's like behind a curtain so no one actually knew he was there and apparently his security guard was like directing all of the like they would do a take and then there'd be like a security guard would come out and be like oh you need to do it more like this and i think after like several times they're like what's going on and then they realized that michael jackson was just like behind a curtain <laughs> just like well, in the studio on earth songs in a flat and and there isn't a boss OC2 on that track. And it's kind of, it's famous amongst bass players because really an OD2 doesn't track much below a D. So you've got a lot of notes still to go, um, <laughs> you know, below that. So so an A flat, like is, that's, that's a lot lower than anyone's known an OC2 to track, but he uses it on that on that track. And I asked him about it and I was like, you know, Yo, or the bass player who can get an OC2 to track on... You know, on 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 an A flat, and and he he was like, it absolutely doesn't track. Listen, <laughs> listen closely. You can hear it, hear it going all over the shop. But uh, but there you go, oh. dear listener. Listen to Earth Song and and see if you can pick out the shonky OC two trying to track down <laughs> <laughs> below a D. But uh, Michael Jackson but yes. didn't pick that one up. 
<laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Anyway, anyway, enough about that. Dear listener, do, do uh, watch the interview after. It's very interesting. He's a very interesting man and speaks a lot about David Gilmore's pedal board as well and the, the effects that inspired the both of them as well. So it's, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, Matt Knight, you've uh, you've recently become obsessed with a with a new guitar player. Yeah, I've I've got really into Mac DeMarco, and I'm sure I am way late to the party because his first record came out in like 2012. Um, and I don't I don't know how it came about on my Spotify. I think it was one of those things I was just like listening to a bunch of sort of lo-fi-ish stuff and then i was like i'm sure i've heard of this fella because he uses a boss pedal and he's like quite famous for having a boss ce2 and i started listening to it i was like this is exactly what i want to listen to all of the time um (laughs) i think they call it slacker wave or like blue wave he's basically like got into guitar playing didn't really know what any gear was but had like an old tysco and an eight, uh, like a tape four track. And that's effectively what his first record is. I think he was like, I watched an interview and he, he said he didn't know what effects were until he basically recorded like his first album. And then someone was like, oh, you should try a chorus pedal. He's like, what, what's that sort of thing? And um, I don't know, the, the music is just like really lo-fi. It's just like, a, a, a live track came on on this like this is Mac DeMarco playlist on Spotify and he's like yeah my, the rest of my band aren't here for some reason um, so I'm going to just play this song like I think you know it and then like strums a chord it's out of tune does the whole song anyway <laughs> it's just like he's he's <laughs> just doesn't care about I don't know gear in some way but the sound he gets I'm just like it just sounds amazing. Most of it is, I think, an old... I think he played for a Tysco for a while. He played a 70s... He played a 70s Strat in brown. <laughs> like, the worst. Yes, of course the, it is. It's a 70s Strat. <laughs> the worst of all, of all the Strats. The um, old 60s Tysco is fantastic. It's the sort of thing you pick up for, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, to- you know. total, total actual pawn shop instrument. Yeah, yeah. I th- and I think the first record, he plays a stag bass so um but yeah it's just it's just got this vibe and this character about it and i see loads of people when i started searching about loads of people like how do i get that sound and i'm like effectively you want the sound of like some really old crappy gear and i'm Mm -hmm. like yeah i want that sound too (laughs) but it's just brilliant because he just does take that ultimate like i wouldn't necessarily say like anti-guitar approach to his music but it's just very much like I make the gear work for me, but I'm not necessarily going out to buy new stuff just to use. He's like, I've got this Strat and I use a Vibrachamp and a JC120. I think his pedal board, I saw one picture was uh, Electro Harmonics Holy Grail and a CE2. And I'm like, it just it just sounds so good. Um, and one of the only people I've really listened to and gone, man, that old, that old Tysco sounds excellent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just worth a listen. If you haven't listened to it, definitely, definitely worth a listen. Um, just, I'm a, just good vibes. I, I am a big fan of this Tysco. Like the uh, the scratch plate is literally a square of like like a gold anodized square on on a sunburst body. Oh, it looks amazing in a sort of Mossrite style headstock. Everything about that guitar is fantastic. I mean, yeah, I mean it literally the, looks like someone built it before. He ended up yeah. playing the gig. Um, the the neck, neck looks bent. It's amazing. It looks like he capos a lot, mostly on the fourth fret. Most of these pictures, he has a capo on the yeah, fourth fret. Yeah, it's... Um, you just got to listen to it. You get the vibe when you listen to it. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of just crappy. But crappy in a really <laughs> good way. I don't really has- know how else to describe it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's 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 an undeniable artistry to him as well. Like you, you really do get the vibe that if he wasn't doing the musical thing, that he'd be, you know, an eccentric visual artist or an amazing comedian or something instead. Like mm. he's he's entirely born to perform. I'm not sure, Matt. Have you seen any of his um, advanced studio techniques videos that he does? No, I, I I did see. I I've only sort of in the last couple of days, and then I've seen loads of clips on 
or people posting loads of clips that are like they almost mm. look like old VHS quality stuff where he's like talking about being in the studio or something. Yeah. I I don't want to say he like single-handedly you know, sort of set off the trend, but he, he, he may have risen just at the right moment on the whole kind of lo-fi trend the last, the last sort of 10 years or so, but, mm. you know, has, has very much been the, the, the sort of face of it. But, um, yeah, he, he, he just adds such humor, like across his music, or if you watch any of his live shows, he, um, yeah, he really kind of avoids avoids cliches successfully by just being a really interesting person on top of it all. Like the album This Old Dog, I think quite a lot of it is to do with like his his relationship with his dad and stuff like that. So on top of kind of all of the irony and kind of outward quote unquote kind of crappiness of the production, there's there's a lot of very kind of sophisticated mm artistry behind it and a lot of very sophisticated humor so like for example his advanced studio techniques um series he's <laughs> he's like talking through a vocoder for like the entirety of some of the videos his head is completely <laughs> covered his head is completely covered in vaseline on all of the videos <laughs> like about a centimeter thick of it i i really would recommend um giving them a watch after you've listened in seriousness I, to his music. It's it's important context to the artiste, I would say. Yeah, I've, I've had his uh, This Is Mac DeMarco playlist on all day today. And it's just... Oh, like, nice. Yeah. yeah, just... And there's, yeah, it's just... It almost sounds like the songs are just, like, flowing. It's almost... When, when I listen to it, it sounds like the songs are being recorded as you're listening to it like mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. flowing out of the speakers because there's this, yeah like you say there's very little production in some ways um but i also think that most of his records especially early on were all self um um obviously like self-produced and self-recorded but i think he put them yeah. out on like his own label as well didn't he uh, i, I think, think he did just, yeah. yeah like soundcloud and then they've sold like millions of copies and he's just like mm-hmm. cool it's just one of from what I have seen, an incredibly laid back person with an incredibly laid back approach to guitar playing, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a bit very refreshing to um, totally something else. And now he hangs He's... out in Silver Lake, California, where I think everyone basically hangs out, um, just being relaxed together. Just being relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there Chilling you go. Hard. There you go, dear listener. Check out Mac DeMarco and uh, and his. What were the run of videos called? Oh, advanced studio techniques. Right, I see. Yeah, check them out, dear listener. I, I, I have no idea anything about him, so I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to have to check this out afterwards. Um, but I shall do that. You know, recently, I, so right this week, I was on Reverb and I found that Reverb.com have started doing this thing. They've probably done this thing for ages, uh, but I've just discovered it. Find of the week, find of the week. Oh, that's what we used to do when we started the GAC podcast and we didn't have enough, uh, didn't have enough actual <laughs> content to, to plug. We'd just go around the shop and be like, oh, yeah, let's talk oh, about yeah. it. Let's talk about this. Grab whatever old dog we'd actually take, we'd exactly. taken in accidentally yeah, yeah. secondhand. And, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, well, yeah, th- this is this is fantastic because, of course, Reverb have, can sort of plunder the depths of, uh, of all the listings on Reverb and find something cool. And they they truly have... Uh, this week with a 1965 Dynacord Cora, and that is the same Dynacord as you know, as in the Audio Electronics brand, who you know make amplifiers and things. Um, they 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 built a guitar for a very brief period in wow. the 60s between 65 and 68, and it extraordinarily brief because uh, they say in the article they they believe less than uh, 130 of them uh, were actually ever built and this dear listener you need to check this out the dynacord cora it is it is i don't know how to describe this okay so it's an electric guitar but the body itself is just a a frame a tubular metal frame in the shape of a guitar kind of an offset set sg but obviously completely you know it's just the framework and then down the middle of the guitar is a rather chunky also slightly shaped piece of wood uh, which has mounted into it the three single coils the vibra trem and all the rotary controls four of them almost randomly placed uh also all because it's a, almost a cylindrical piece of wood down the middle your controls are kind of i guess facing downwards from you rather than 
up at you if if i'm describing that very well but also the piece of wood down the middle is finished whereas you have this sort of tubular aluminium frame um the the piece of wood down the middle will be in a in a particular finish and apparently there are a variety of these there are different colors there's a, there was a a black one so the the wood's finished in black with a with chrome hardware there's also been uh, there was some with gold hardware. I can't remember what color they said. It was this a, came a green finish. A green with Stunning. gold hardware, oh, which sounds lovely. But this particular one is in a, a sort of Daphne blue um, with, uh, with a chrome frame and a rosewood neck. This guitar looks absolutely amazing. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this you know what a wonderful opportunity to own something incredibly rare and less than 130 made 2102 pounds and 84 pence of course it's in it's in germany so i'm just you know it's exchange rated strangely in the, it looks in the great it looks really fresh i would say it doesn't like it this looks like something that you would have talked about as a new guitar that you had found on like a new guitar builder I think, yeah, it's definitely got it's got a lot of vibe to it. I don't yeah. think it it doesn't seem like a a failed. I know it's very weird, but it it's 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 not rubbish enough to look quite like a sort of a failed guitar attempt by an amplifier manufacturer, you know. Which which of course it is. It it, it does look great, really interesting, really different. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's super cool. I, uh, I think having the having the. Did you say or uh, maybe I missed what the uh, like the middle part is? Is uh, it just older or something? I, I don't know actually. Um, um, just having a having a look on solid body. No, it doesn't say what it is. But I think the thing that really sets it for me is that whilst the the wings, I guess, are. Uh, yeah, like that tubular tubular metal, like you said. The middle of it is very obviously an electric guitar. The the middle part of it, it looks like I guess it's alder or, or mahogany or ash or something. You know that anchors it as an electric guitar, and um, it looks like looks like alder, I think. But it's um, it's wicked. It's wicked. And I bet it feels really like a regular guitar because you've got that middle bit there as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it looks really substantial, the the central sort of cone yeah. of wood. I, I worry that that's going to throw the balance off with the with the wings, but uh, but it does look it does look very cool. What a wonderful sort of rare instrument. I can't see that it would throw anything off because all you're missing is the same amount of weight on each side. You know, I guess it might throw the weight off of the headstock. Mm-hmm. It might sort of be a bit top heavy, but um, yeah, really weird, really weird. It's also just really trippy looking at it sitting on that guitar stand. Yeah, because <laughs> you can see you can see through it. You can see the back <laughs> of the guitar stand. It's really odd. I, I I'd never heard of this before. I think it's wicked. Really, yeah, yeah. really interesting. Very really cool, interesting. dear listener. Check it out Dynacord, the Cora. Um, very, very cool indeed. Joe, worth. I don't know if you clicked through any further, but um, it's probably worth everyone also heading to the sellers page, which is Vintage Fans on Reverb, because he has 132 list- listings of nothing but 1960s Framus and other German-built instruments. Some of the stuff oh, yes. is absolutely bonkers. Like, what was going on? Just guitar designers in 1962 going strat's not really going to take off we need to do something different and they're just going how many <laughs> how many switches how many switches does this thing need um worth yeah well worth checking out some some absolutely mad mad oh, yeah. guitars on there everything's amazing some fantastic condition a lot of these um a lot of these as well yeah actually very reasonable prices as well yeah absolutely check them out dear listeners there's a, there's a lovely Hofner 175 Brocat um, in what what I can only describe as a sort of uh, almost snake skinny finish. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very cool. There's, I uh, mean, Ma- Matt, just going back to something that you said there, I mean, it's worth bearing in mind that in 1962 that there probably wasn't 
you know, there, there were very few Fenders outside of America. True, true. So, like, you know, a lot of the guitar designers, guitars being designed in Germany in the, in the early 60s, they were probably they were probably designing guitars based off of pictures that they'd seen in magazines and stuff, you know, and, and so it's only natural that the stuff that came out of it is bananas because they probably didn't have that much to actually like compare it to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, isn't that the, isn't that the, I'm sure we've talked about it before on the podcast, but that's the story with Yuri Shishkov, right? Cause he was in like, russia the, when the he soviet was, union yeah and yeah, he's yeah. like you couldn't get guitar magazines so i had to like buy one on the black market and then i built a guitar based on pictures out of my shed yeah I, I, and i don't i don't really remember the history but my understanding is that there was you know it was all because it was all kind of nationalized essentially and state controlled state owned um there wasn't there weren't very many guitar builders that were allowed to build guitars in in the soviet union at that time and so yeah all the stuff was mad because i guess because they didn't have all of the expertise that you would have had from seeing electric guitars being made in america at the time and being able to take those apart and seeing how they were all put together it's really weird Mm. yeah imagine that building a guitar from pictures with no experience about actually building a guitar yeah and that's where you end up with this weird stuff. <laughs> I am very excited about this vintage fans uh, reverb shop. There are there are some amazing things on there. I'm- yeah, I mean, there's a guitar in here that I'm looking at that I might buy. Don't know. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited by that. I'm excited. By it. I'm, I'm enjoying some of these, like a, a 1980s Hofner, which looks like it's got some sort of graphic EQ built into the front of the guitar. There's a there's a Huttle. I've never heard of of Huttle before, but they made the Beat Bass, which is their version of obviously a Beatle bass, so a violin bass, but it's it's got it's, it's more less violin shaped and more acoustic guitar proportioned almost but there there are some really interesting unique and lovely looking examples of of german luthiery from the you know the the sort of the heyday of when germany were making the best guitars you could possibly buy this uh yeah this looks absolutely fantastic i'm gonna be checking it out if you're um if you're wondering why I'm quiet, I think I think you guys have been clicking on reverb so hard that for the first time ever, it's cr- like it, I'm seeing like an error, like it's crashing. Yeah. So I'm feeling I'm feeling major FOMO right now. I'm sorry. But I, I'm I, sorry. I, now I will be checking it out. That did happen to me as well for a minute as well, and I yeah, was like, "Oh no, what's going on?" But uh, it did happen yeah. to me as well, actually. Oh, as well, okay. so I was trying to click through to something. Damn it, reverb. <laughs> But yeah, it's fine. Anyway, anyway, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about some news and some new things that have come out. Matt, you, uh, you guys can't stop making fuzzes at the moment. Ah, oh, just you know, easy in it, mate. Couple of couple of components, you know. Any- Bang a switch on there, <laughs> solder them together. Ah, you know, it makes a it makes a fuzzy <laughs> sound. Easy. Um, yeah, no, it, interesting with this one. So this is the Boss F. FZ1W, or as uh, we just call it the FZ1W, um, because we spend a lot of time talking to people who say Z rather than Z. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we, I think this, this kind of came about because we did the TB2W earlier in the year and we could only make 3,000 pieces because they had um, sort of limited parts availability. And to design that circuit and to kind of counteract a lot of the negative things with a vintage-style circuit, so the fact that germanium transistors are really unstable, uh, they can vary a lot with temperature. Um, So, you know, plugging a pedal in the morning can sound different to how it sounds at night, purely because the temperature varies the the components. Um, So that, you know, things like that are quite an issue. Obviously, the fact that germanium transistors are hard to come by, uh, they have quite a high failure rate, so you have to do lots of extra testing. Um, And obviously... Most fuzz pedals are impedance sensitive as well. So different guitars will react differently with fuzzes. You can't put a buffer in front of them. You can't put them anywhere in the chain apart from the beginning of your pedal board. And when we did TB2W, we counteracted all that to kind of bring the boss engineering into a vintage design, but could make a pedal that we could only make a small amount of. 
So rather than doing a second run of TB2W, we thought, why don't we design an entirely new fuzz circuit uh, using um, our kind of everything that we learned from the TB2W, but also make it in Japan to kind of, I don't know, give a bit of like heritage to what we're doing and kind of say, you know, there was big british fuzz builders american and you know at the time in the 70s also japanese and that's why we felt we wanted to do the uh the fz1w but unlike our other was as it is a totally original circuit it's not an old boss pedal that we've kind of reimagined oh, really that that is i, I thought that was what waza was though yeah it, it is in some ways i guess waza technically waza craft means like handcrafted or hand built and that's why they're right. they're made in japan so yeah, this is an all original circuit. So vintage mode has a kind of 60s character uh, and the EQ um, reflects that. So it's kind of, um, I th- if I remember rightly, I'm going to get it the wrong way around, but it's a base cut or a low cut and then it's like neutral in the middle. Uh, but it has more gain than kind of um, some sort of vintage fuzz pedals and it's silicon based rather than germanium. So it's more stable, but you can place it anywhere in your pedal board. So you can have it after or before a wire or wherever, which is quite cool. And then, I see, and I then see. modern Very mode cool. is a much more high gain fuzz uh, with a huge gain range. It goes from like boost to just like wall of sound fuzz. Um, but what's really nice about that is that you never lose any of the kind of mid character in the EQ. Uh, so you always kind of maintain a good mid, sort of upper mid, so you cut through a mix a lot more, um, which is always nice. a problem with a lot of fuzz pedals where you kind of just obviously are too low or you lose quite a lot of lows and you just sort of like fizzle out a little bit. So this is designed to be a fuzz pedal that helps you cut through the mix a bit more. And uh, it's fantastic. I would definitely say out of all of the fuzzes that I have here, which is a lot, um, it's absolutely one of my one of my favourites. It's and generally you, you say it's use, really really good. You use an FZ right I, like on your use board an anyway. FZ two. So FZ two. Right. Well, a lot of people went. Aren't you going to make an FZ two Waza? And I guess there was yeah, myself included. Was like, oh, I love this pedal. I mean, I didn't have to pay a ridiculous price for my F, FZ two. I bought mine in Japan for about thirty pounds, uh, and they go for ten <laughs> times that now. Um, and that is a very unique, like, octave up circuit. Um, and some people class it as still some, one of the best fuzzes out there. And then we did an FZ3, which was very much in the kind of heritage of, like, a fuzz face. Um, but, yeah, kind of just did something a bit different. And I've got uh, I've got them all. And uh, this one <laughs> is, yeah, it's really good. The modern mode, loads of gain, but it's really responsive to the volume control. And that's how I use it is basically I don't really use any other drives on the board that I've got. I just use that and then a volume really? control in- wow. into a far more modern GT1000 core. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you've got that vintage style in there, but you've got you've got some modern flair as well. But it's, it is very, very good. Because that's uh, that's how it, how it would differ from the the other Wazacrafts. I think I, I think it's all of them. It might not be quite all of them, but that switch in the middle would have it was it was S standard or, C, or right? standard or or custom. So standard <coughs> would basically be the thing that inspired that Wazacraft pedal. That's correct. Like the original, and then the custom would be adding some modern things on it. So with the uh, with the DM two W, it was. You know, it almost immediate feedback on the delay yeah, and, and like, like double double of... delay time and and all of yeah. that. Yeah. So vintage and modern, you know, instead of the standard and custom. I guess so. But yeah, I guess so. Really cool and a uh, you know keeping it. You know, no fancy names. You know, there's lot there's lots of great fuzz pedals out there with fancy names. We just went with fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> you know where you are with a boss pedal. That's uh, that's that's very true. How uh, how many pedals are now in the Wazacraft series? Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> I'm oh, saying wow. nine. I'm counting in my head. <laughs> <laughs> is that including the tuner? Uh, that is including the tuner, but does it include oh, the TB2W? Go. Can't remember. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah, I forget that. Because the T is sort of TB2 sort of gone now, isn't it? You know, you've got to yeah. spend, you've got to yeah, spend three thousand so. pounds on reverb if you want one of them. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, or like ask, or ask really nicely if you can, if the, you can borrow yours. I just, just get a sharpie. F said yeah, one. Easy. You know, an F turns into a T easy enough, doesn't it? 
you know. Um, so, yeah, just do that. Sharpie. Hmm. And close Very your cool. eyes and imagine and listen to that sound and go, time bender. Um, <laughs> But no, very good. And yeah, if you kind of want to uh, check out some boss fuzz, I highly, highly recommend it. Especially for a kind of fuzz that doesn't do the extreme stuff, but would definitely be... This would be a fuzz pedal for Jay Cross, a man who generally doesn't like fuzz pedals. Yeah. I'm putting it out there. Wow, I mean, no, it sounds... It, 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 honestly, what you were saying there, it sounds interesting. I'm into, into hearing it. Um, I just, I never liked the, um, we've talked about this a, a million times, but the, um, the original, was it the FZ1? FZ5? What was the FZ5 one? FZ5 is the one that you would know, which is the digital one. Yeah, I never, that's, that's the thing that's always put me off because I never, I never liked that. And I know that that was 10 years ago, maybe even longer that that came out. But, um, but yeah, really interested to try the, the FZ1W, um, just to see, see what's changed. I, I I love the sound of fuzz, like you know, on on my own playing at home. I can just I can never get it to work if you're playing with other musicians. Just the very nature of the type of effects just crushes everything so much. It's, especially for bass, you just like yeah. you just disappear in the mix. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just you can't I, I compete the with exact, the, Yeah, I have do, the exact same issue, Joe. Do Do yeah. you ever use a fuzz, Naomi? I have done board. over over the years. Yeah, I mean, I I used an FZ five for a while, which which I loved. Oh. I had a had a woolly mammoth for a while. Um, I've not bought one, but I would absolutely love a dark glass duality fuzz. Uh, but Matt, I'm I'm loving what I'm hearing already about the FZ one W, particularly the modern mode, because mm. I certainly have faced the issue of dialing in a tone I love and then it just entirely falling out the second it's it's in a mix with a band. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's... People forget that sometimes with um, with with Boss and what we're trying to do is actually, like, make... I mean, not to say that not all gear is, is practical, obviously, but trying to, you know, mm, do mm-hmm. often think about the pro musician who's going to use it and going, it'd be great if it, like, self-oscillated and had, like, an inbuilt delay. But, you know, if you're going to play a gig, you probably just want it to sound good you know, and just cut through a mix and that's exactly what it does. So there you go. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it, uh, it, it wouldn't be kind of a, an, an, another week on the podcast if Electro Harmonics hadn't released at least two pedals. Um, <laughs> although admittedly, I think, you know, I think these have happened over the last couple of weeks and I just hadn't got round to mentioning them. But, uh, but Electro Harmonics have introduced, well, let's start with the Intelligent Harmony Machine. Now this is a this is a pedal in their in their nano housing, which I kind of feel like they almost needed to go up a size on because they have had to they've had to sacrifice almost all the graphics to writing down the various controls that there are um, on this pedal. It is it is absolutely packed full of uh, switches and, and and rotary options. So this is this is kind of a, I guess a progression from their pitchfork, a, mm. a really sort of a really complex um you know harmony machine that has an awful lot of options it even even has a, a switch for for to add overdrive to your uh, to your harmonies as well as you know making it momentary uh, as well as a rotary control to decide the key um that that you'll be working in you can do things like a sixth down a perfect fourth a third down a third up a perfect fourth up a perfect fifth up a sixth up a seventh up a third up with a fifth up a third up with a seventh up and a perfect fifth up with an octave up but that's just like one side of it it can also do polyphonic pitch shifts which you know have like a major minor switch so you can use it as a doubler a perfect fourth down a third down etc there are lots of options and you know your conventional octave octave down or octave up and seconds can be done in minor or major there's a lot on there there's a lot of different harmony options and we know the the electro harmonics are great at pitch that's you know that's something they excel at um, almost more than anything else certainly the you know the micropog for years has been the most popular octave up octaver on the market yeah I, I think actually what's interesting about this is the fact that you know what if you don't want any of those harmonies just hit the poly override button and it's a pitchfork 
<laughs> That's it. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was reading this. I was earlier. just about to ask about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I think basically they've probably used a similar algorithm to what they've done. The pitchfork gives you uh, up or down. So the pit, the pitchfork is their polyphonic pitch shifter that gives you the same intervals, but it's uh, up only up or down. So and it's obviously like chromatic. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can have latching or non-latching, where this one is much more of like a harmonist. Uh, and then obviously you pick the key, and then you pick uh, your um interval uh but if yeah if you want to sack all that off you just hit poly override and i think it just puts it in it just gives you the interval chromatically um i've always struggled with harmonies harmony machines like this because i never know what key i'm going to play in i don't really know much (laughs) about keys or intervals i'm like which one's the minor pentatonic (laughs) i just put it in e yes I guess. <laughs> yes, that that will that will always be the problem. Well, you know, Matt. In that case, you know, it it might be well that that Electroharmonic's other pedal is is more up your street. Indeed, Joe, Naomi, Jay, the deluxe memory man, Nano. I can't believe it's taken them so long to make this. To be fair, I can't believe they this didn't already exist. I I think I thought it already did. No, I you know I think. They were still making the Deluxe Memory Man, which is the um, obviously the classic, but they were doing it in their slightly um, bigger format. Um, yeah, and for some reason, it just never existed in a mini format. And now it does. Um, and I've seen a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people rave about it. Um, and quite interestingly, I think also the designer, which we spoke about before, Howard Davis, who is the designer for the Electro Harmonics Deluxe Memory Man, has also been involved in the design of the Mini One and about three other analog-style pedals based on the Deluxe Memory Man in the last 12 months. Oh, um, weird. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think the X5 Memory Man... Uh, he was involved in the J Rocket cl- Wait, clock. Wait, the X Five X Five. It couldn't have been the X Five Memory I think Man. It's called. I'm. Um, oh, it's called the X Five Echo Man. That's it. Okay, uh, right, X Five okay. Echo Man. Uh, the J Rocket Clockworks. He was also involved in. And oh yes, I remember. He that. was also involved in the. I want to say. Pigtronics delay pedal. Which one was it? I think it was Pigtronics that he was also involved in, which I saw recently. Um, I'm going to have to Google it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's interestingly, yeah, spent a lot of time as a designer for other companies doing other pedals, mainly delay pedals. Mainly, most people have gone, can you just do us like your version of the Memory Man? Like, again. Um, he's like, oh, really? I really wanted to do like a boost. Oh, it's just, it's not your strong point, mate. You really need to like <laughs> focus on uh, on on your delay pedals. Uh, I th- I don't know if it was Pigtronics. There was another brand that came out with one recently, um, and yeah, so same sort of same sort of vibe. But um, yeah, this is this is really cool. I think one of those brands where. Right, if you want to get as close to the Deluxe Memory Man as possible, might as well buy it from the brand that made the original one. And I've seen yeah. a lot of people A being the original one to this one and saying it's very, very good. Ooh, that is exciting. And of course, you know, as with all kind of new electro harmonics pedals, they're incredibly affordable. Yeah, I think $200 on their website now. I don't know how much they are listing for. It's one of those things where electroharmonics send, tend to launch a new pedal and then like you see a few people buy them and then you're like, I'm sure I haven't seen it in any shops yet. Um, <laughs> because they just tend to launch so many. I think just dealers probably forget. Like, didn't you launch that one like last week? Oh, no, we've moved on since then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um they, cool. they seem to saturate a little, but yeah, it's important. Have you uh, have you ever plugged in uh, an original Memory Man or Memory Men? No, I, mean, I, I never have. So I don't think I've. Ever I haven't. Used one. No, no, I haven't. I haven't tried um, an original. Um, what strikes me about this one, though, is just they seem to have caught the comprehensiveness in 
in a small body. So I'm as you're talking about the ABs, I'm I'm keen to watch some of them. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I well, ha- being lucky enough to uh, the, the price of the the original ones, even the '90s reissues have like gone bonkers over the last. Uh, like a couple of years. Um, right, okay. Like if you want a 90s reissue now, I've, the average selling price is somewhere between like 750 and £1,000. I mean, that's just oh my absolutely bad. It's, yeah, it's big, big, big pedal money. Because they use a, a... The early ones use a particular Panasonic BBD chip, which is obviously long since discontinued. Um, sure. And... The, uh, the memory man itself has a really unique delay sound and it, it kind of has what people call this like halo effect around the repeat. So everything sounds like really ethereal and no delay pedal kind of comes close. Plus the fact that it's got a preamp in it kind of helps drive all that signal and give it this kind of unique character and delay. And what's interesting is that, yeah, those chips have been long since discontinued until um, a few years ago when X5 um, decided to basically remake that particular BBD chip, which is kind of unheard of in the audio world in some ways because there's only one market for it, and that's guitar pedals. Mm -hmm. It's like you wouldn't use it in anything else. Um, And that chip is now used in most of the uh, things that we talked about earlier. So like the X5 Echo Man um, and I think the um, J-Rocket pedal, um, but also the Chase Bliss um, Tonal Recall uses the same thing as well. Yeah. And that's... That's really interesting. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. And and you're saying it's X5 actually uh, restarted the manufacturers themselves. X5, um, it's, I think... X5, yeah, make the particular BBD chip. Um, mm-hmm. I've just put, I've just Googled it and put BBQ and I've just done it again. That's not the same thing. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, X5 Audio, um, they actually make, the chip is an MN3005, uh, which was the world's first BBD chip, which was, I think was originally, I was reading, was originally manufactured by, I think it was, I want to say actually it was Dynacord, but I'm not 100%. Um, and then they went, yeah, we can't really afford to produce these. And that's when Panasonic came on board. But yeah, ultimately, um, that chip just I just fell out of favour of everyone apart from guitar manufacturers. Because yeah. you don't need to use that kind of thing in anything else. Um, so yeah, X5 now make um, that particular chip primarily for the um for the guitar pedal industry which is amazing, amazing really but yeah that's that's what you'll see in most delay pedals now and whether um this new um deluxe memory man uses it or not i'm not 100% but uh yeah i've no doubt it's going to sound really really good awesome wonderful well that is actually all the time we have on uh, this week's episode of guitar nerds you can of course dear listener join us over on patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an entire extra episode every week you can become a patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month at the dollar tier you'll get this episode ad free and early every week five dollars gets you access to the patreon special episodes and our back catalog ten dollars gets you the lot plus i'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the guitar nerds group group on facebook or meta whatever it is now to get involved in our weekly episode discussion thanks for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell cheers bye
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.